The sacred writings of the Baha'i Faith teach that music is a ladder for your soul. And that's certainly been my experience as a lover of music. As someone who has struggled with connecting with the more spiritual side of religion, but at the same time has felt it so easily and naturally and organically in the experience of listening to music. Baha'u'llah, the prophet of the Baha'i Faith, writes that divine music exhilarates the spirit. And whether I'm listening to gospel and the black Christian tradition, or Sikh kirtan, or punk rock, or Motown and funk, that experience of being moved, of being elevated, of being taken to a higher plane of existence is something that I appreciate deeply about music. I'm Jack Gordon, and in this new series of conversations called Soul Letter Music, I'll be talking with musicians from all across genres who have exemplified for me the beauty of infusing their music with a deep sense of spirit. Some of them are involved in the practice of a particular religious faith. Many are touched and inspired by teachings across different religious traditions, and still others are agnostic or atheist. In whichever case, we'll talk about the themes and philosophy that move through their music and the music that's touched and inspired them to go out and make the world a better place. One of the musicians that most exemplifies the idea of connecting art and service to humanity is Gabriel Teodros, who's a rapper and DJ based in Seattle. I've always loved and been inspired by the deep, soulful connection Gabriel writes about in his music and the commitment to his community that is always at the core of his work. I see it as a deeply spiritual practice. And as you'll hear about in my conversation with Gabe, although he does not claim to practice any particular tradition, there's a strong sense of spirit that's motivating each piece of music that he touches. Can you describe what it is about the Seattle hip hop scene that makes it unique? Because I, I, I think I, I was listening to, I can't remember which, which track it was. There was something about it that it just felt like, this is so Seattle. Anyway, there was something just from the opening instrumental part that was, I've heard, not that I've, it's not that I've heard it before in a mm. sense of being repetitive or redundant but it was mm -hmm. there was a quality to it that felt like it had the energy of a space in it yeah it was the vibe yeah a vibe um, thank you that's a better word for it yeah <laughs> so what's the seattle vibe let me think man because so i've been doing hip-hop music in seattle for over 20 years and I feel like in that time period, I've watched it change a lot. Right? Okay. Um, we are a city that for the longest time felt like we didn't have a sound, but like we're also a city that, I mean, outside of hip hop, like you think of like Jimi Hendrix, like Quincy Jones, right. you know, they're from here. Um, 
I think the environment has a lot to do with it, our sound, you know, it being an environment that's cloudy for 10 months out of the year. That cloudiness makes for moody people and introverts <laughs> and, you know, and that moodiness and that, and that kind of like self exploration and self reflection, I feel like is something that you, you hear in music that comes from here because of the environment. You also have a very tight knit community of people of color, um, a black community in Seattle with largely with Southern roots, uh, people that migrated here from largely from Louisiana and Texas. Um, and then you have a strong immigrant population that have also come in, I would say in my lifetime, like Seattle is a sanctuary city. Uh, it's a very white city. We have a few neighborhoods that are primarily people of color. And in those neighborhoods, it's like it's not segregated in the way that I think DC is, that I know other cities are. Um, the neighborhood where I grew up in particular, the south end of Seattle and, and Beacon Hill um, is absolutely like going through a process of gentrification and has for some time now. But when I grew up, it was a lot of Filipino folks next door to Chinese folks, next door to black folks, next door, next door to native folks. Um, all these immigrant communities, East Africans, we have a large Ethiopian, Eritrean, and Somali population in this one city. Mm -hmm. um, all those all those different communities inside these few neighborhoods, I feel like give Seattle its its soul, you know, its vibes. Like it's it it it, it comes from that. And also Seattle is a city that we're not an island, but like East Coast cities are more, in my experience, a lot more interconnected because they're just closer to each other. Mm -hmm. You can get to Baltimore from DC. It won't take you like an entire day. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like you can you can you can catch a bus or a train to New York City from DC and be there the same day. You know? Right. Like for us to go to the next biggest city, you know or to a city bigger than Seattle, it takes us over 12 hours to drive to the Bay Area. Like, mm. you know, like it's, so Seattle absolutely has felt like an island growing up, uh, especially when it comes to like other communities of color, like you have to go to the Bay Area to see another community that really kind of reflects and feels like what what the South End of Seattle and what the Central District feel like. So okay. because of that isolation, that isolation has also had a very big impact on our music in that up until very recently, we never had a music industry that really centered artists of color. For sure, we had sub pop and we had like indie rock artists right. who, who blew up, right. but that didn't include the communities of color right. up until recent right. years, right. you know? Uh, with Shabazz palaces and the satisfaction right. kind of breaking in and, and sub pop, you know, like right. there's, there's definitely been progress, but our sound, a lot of it, I think comes from not having an industry. And when you don't have an industry and you don't have this idea, like I'm going to get famous for music being from this city, what that generates is people making the music that they want to hear just because they want to hear it, not because they think they're going to blow up from it. Mm. So those things combined, I feel like have made Seattle sound. And I think a lot of that's because of the isolation, mm. you know? And for you to be an ambassador for that in your work with the station and, you know, for those of us listening to KEXP all the way mm. over here on the other side of Turtle Island, as it were, um, yes. you know, that it's, it, that it's 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 good to know those connections. And the thing about music, and I think in particular, the way that hip hop happens is that it's not in isolation. It's always reaching back and, mm -hmm. and bringing somebody with you, you know, it's always mm -hmm. reaching further down the ladder and bringing somebody up with you as you climb. Um, Absolutely. Whether it's through features or producing or, Team, you know, groups. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it just, it, it's always had that facet to it, and so 
if I know one, if I know one Seattle rapper, I know two dozen, right? Because they're they are there together, and that's that's been my experience of it, and and I've certainly loved it. Oh. That makes me happy. I feel <laughs> I feel like we did something right. If that's the experience, and if that's how people are experiencing Seattle hip hop, we did something right. You know. <laughs> Yo, the education of the line ticket line land began began with time. Being my bloodline is one with the divine in time, brother. You will discover the light. Some say that God is black and the devil's white. Well, the devil is wrong and God is what's right. I fight with myself in the ring of doubt and fear. The rain ain't gone, but I can still see clear as a child. Given religion with no answer to why. Just told, believe in Jesus, cause for me he did die. Curiosity killed the catechism, understanding and wisdom. Became the rhythm that I played to and became a slave to master self. A rich man is one with knowledge, happiness, and his health. My mind had dealt with the books as in tale, the lessons, Quran and the Bible. To me, they all vital and got truth within them. Gotta read them, boys. You just can't skim them. Different branches of belief, but one root that stem them. But people love the venom, try to trim them. And use religion as an emblem when it's to be a natural way of life. Who am I or they to say to whom you praying right? That's who got you doing right and got you this far. Whether you say in Jesus' name or hum do a law, long as you know it's a being that's supreme to you. You let that show towards others and the things you do. Cause when the trump is blowing, 24 elders surround the throne. Only 144,000 gon' get home. Only 144,000 gon' get home. Only 144,000 gon' get it, baby. Did you grow up in the church? Yeah, I did. My my mom uh, was very religious. Um, she, <laughs> my my mom is Christian and my dad is atheist. Uh-huh. And if you ask my dad what his idea of God is to this day, he'll tell you it's Karl Marx, right? Um, <laughs> okay. And my mom was also another uh, old guy with a white beard. <laughs> yeah. And and my mom was an organizer with him in the time that they had me, you know. Um, but my mom, you know, she prayed for a son, you know. And this mm. is kind of like the burden and the story that my mom's always put on me my whole life was that she prayed for a son. And when she got a son, that was that was the thing that also got her to go back to church, you know. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So my birth. So org- is, organizing in a secular context, not necessarily practicing, but then yeah, be- becoming a mother brought her back to that. Exactly. That's the story that she that she grew up telling me, or I grew up hearing, I should say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I grew up going to an Ethiopian church, right? Like Sunday school every week. Um, I have a lot of fond memories. Um, it was an Ethiopian church, so the services were primarily in Amharic. I remember Sunday school songs, and I remember like all the Bible stories, and you know, and just having like a Christian family, like it, like faith and prayer and all that was a big part of my growing up. But um, yeah, it was interesting when when I got to be in high school, I would say. Um, and my mom started going to a church where they spoke English and I would go with her to church and I would sit in the service now as a, as a teenager, I was really turned off both by what I heard and, um, and the way I saw people being treated in, in that particular church. Mm. And what were those things? What did you hear and how did you see people being treated? Um, the focus, the focus on paying tithes was like, like, I felt like this church was just like a, a scam, you know? And mm. then I saw, and then I saw like the abuse of children in the church, you know? Mm. Um, mm. Those were the two things where I was like, nah, this doesn't feel right, you know? Mm. Um, and also in that time period, like, I'm in high school, right? I'm getting deeper into hip hop music. Um, I'm getting more interested in in uh, just in 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 reading things and in figuring things out for myself. Um, and I remember in that time period, I was really obsessed with uh, the Black Panther Party. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the writings of Mumia Abu-Jamal meant a lot to me at that time. Um, and also there was, um, so my parents split up. I should, I should, I should have said that earlier. Um, and I grew up in my mom's house. Um, okay. I saw my, I saw my dad on occasion growing up, but mm. we, we weren't close. But one thing that did happen a lot growing up was my mother and father were always at odds with each other about a lot of things, but this topic of religion was a big one. And it was a big mm. point of contention with my dad. And he did say something when I was younger that always stuck with me, um, was that one of the, his biggest issues with Christianity was that it was used um, in the colonization of Americas and it was used as a tool like mm -hmm. um, against indigenous people, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that story, and my dad made sure that I knew like what the trail of tears was when I was like 10 or 11 years old. You know what wow. I mean? Like he, yeah. Yeah. he put, he put a lot of those things. So I kind of already was like side eyeing Christianity because of, <laughs> because uh -huh. of that, you know? Uh -huh. Um, and then reading these different things and then the music in my headphones, it all had an impact. And I just started, I, I decided like, okay, I'm not Christian, you know, but I want to explore different things. Um, and I mentioned Mumia because he wrote something really beautiful in his second book called Death Blossoms. Um, and it's something that it's kind of stuck with me ever since, you know, he talks about in that book, he talks about not being Muslim, but fasting for the month of Ramadan in solidarity mm. with wow. other incar yeah. incarcerated folks in prison. Right. Um, and then he has this beautiful, like, it's like a one page or two page essay about faith, where he talks about viewing all the different, the world's different religions as different streams looking for a common river, right? Mm. And that And that was something that always stuck with me. And I just started like, looking at different religions. And I remember like my my curiosity in the way that I was reading books. Cause I was a kid that would skip class to go to the library. Like I was that kid, you know? Uh -huh. and, and I also I also remember like my family made a move from Seattle to Las Vegas, Seattle to Las Vegas when I was um, in high school. We moved from a neighborhood in Seattle that's primarily people of color a school that, you know, had a mostly black population to a school in West Las Vegas that was primarily white. Mm. Uh, my credits didn't transfer to the school I was at in Las Vegas. They put me in remedial math classes. They wouldn't let me mm. test up. Mm. Uh, and it felt very racist, you know. Um, the, the school was called Bonanza High School. It was on the west side of Las Vegas. At, at then, was it was the literally town. called Bonanza. That's pretty wild. So lit, literally <laughs> called Bonanza. There were there were Nazi skinheads that went to this school. There was wow, prob probably thirty black students in a school body of three thousand. Um, wow. So it felt very very race based, like their assumptions about what I knew and didn't know. Sure. And I realized in that time that like, I have to take my life into my own hands. I have to take my education into my own hands because if I don't, these people are going to kill me. They're gonna chew me up and throw me out. And it, it, was, mm. a, it, was, a, it was a time when I realized there was a system in place that wanted kids like me to want to die. And understanding that at that age, it made me wanna live more than anything else. Wow. So I say that to say, I, I was skipping class a lot and going and but it, it was it felt Skipping like in class to get that education it felt like a necessary part of survival right yeah. so yeah that's just some of the context but i was yeah i went from reading about black panthers to this passage in mumia's death blossoms to then um just reading about different spirituality traditions just mm. being really interested and i remember reading about everything from uh from islam to to Buddhism, to the Tao, to, you know, to the, even uh, Baha'i writings at the time. Like I was just, I was curious in it all, you know, and and I found things that made sense to me in a lot of different, you know, faith-based practices. And, you know, from that time up until now, I can't say that I, I subscribe to any particular one religion, but but I do believe in spirit. I do believe in right. interconnectedness. And I do believe that there is a power and there is a, it's an important part, I would say, of 
existing as a human, to have a community, to have other people that share your values and, and even your beliefs. And I've kind of come full circle in my life where I was totally like, I would almost say like anti-Christian, you know, mm -hmm. when I started mm -hmm. this journey because sure. of my experiences in church and the different ways that that religion in particular has been has been used to subjugate others. But I've come full circle in my life kind of through studying about different religions and realizing like, no, like actually, like for a lot of people, my mother included, this is a place where that necessary human connection happens, you know, and that, and that, and that their, their shared belief and their shared practice in this faith is something that, that kind of keeps them on point. It keeps, it, it, it keeps them solid in their purpose and, and it's something that's very valuable, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I would say I've came full circle on my life and I'm not anti any religion at this point, but I can't subscribe to one in particular for me either, you know? Well, I think it's interesting that you say that because I, you know, if I look at the the list of songs that you selected that yeah. that inspire you, yeah, that, that G.O.D. song by Common... It was the same year, by the way, that I was reading Mumia's Death Blossoms that I heard that song. It's incredible because the journey that you just laid out is very, very similar. It tracks almost 100% with what Common is talking about in that song, where there's a, there's a sense of reverence for yes. tradition. There's a yes. sense of, of respect for the tradition that he came up in. And mm -hmm. I, I get the sense, I don't know Common's biography too closely, but just knowing that, he, uh, I think his middle name's Rashid, um, yeah. that, that he's got to have some sort of mixture of the church and Islam and there together. Mm -hmm. And and so there's a respect, right? There's a respect for for the traditions, while at the same time there's a healthy critique of yes. these systems. And um, and so you know it's it's interesting because of the tracks that you picked. It I think it has the most religiously explicit references in in the song. It's referencing scripture in there. Yes. Um, but yeah, it just sounds like, I, I mean, does that, does that make sense? Does the, does the idea, does that idea reflect your experience that it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's respect, but without the time for the dogmatic BS that goes along with it? 100%. And it's funny because that song, uh, Commons G.O.D., and particularly like I picked it for his verse, you know, uh -huh. um, I haven't listened to that song in 10 years, at mm. least. But when you mm. asked me the question about like what, you know, some songs that, you know, that this conversation makes you think of immediately, that's the first song that came to mind because mm. it was, it was so influential on me at the time, you know, and I felt like common in that verse gave voice to something I was feeling too, you know, and it kind of inspired me. Like his verse kind of inspired me to, he has a line in there where he said, um, you can't just he said, Quran and the Bible, to me, they're all vital, um, but you different branches of the tree, but you just can't skim them. You got to read them, boys. Like when he said that, I was like, right. oh, oh, I need to yeah. sit and read these to know what it's about. <laughs> I love like it. Like for sure, like that verse, like absolutely was, was, was the thing that had me in the bookstores that, you know, had me in the libraries looking at different mm. spiritual texts, you know? Right. This to nothing. It's intimate, expansive, and it's crushing. Tears after joy, after the most deep suffering. I wonder if this is what love looks like. And if you could feel freedom with no fight. I only feel all of me on a rare night. I used to chase life, trying to find an old life. I could hold like it never passed. Like two souls could put a stop, hold on an hourglass. But they can't, and life just keeps going. I'm off the deep end, and I don't know when. I'll be traveling to Earth again if ever. It's like an old life, it's hard to remember. 
stay present All faith surrender I'm rendered a captive in the state held By two eyes that can make a cold heart melt Felt my fears wash away See I got a part to play Here in the journey is clear Even if I can't steer this ship I'm alive with it Stay alive it's a gift All the heavens coexist like Stars dance in the middle of the night I stretch out and I reach past sight My fingertips blind I'm touching your mind Beautiful and terrifying design yeah. Stars dance in the middle of the night I stretch out and I reach past sight My fingertips blind I'm touching your mind Beautiful and terrifying design Even if I can't steer this ship, I'm going to ride with it. That was yeah. from your Be With Me in the Darkness. And I, I really like yeah. that line. I mean, that's a that's a soulful line right there. That's That's got everything to do with the spirit. Absolutely. So tell me about that. So that's from the Copper Wire album, um, which is, you know, it's a collaboration with my cousin McLean. Um, and my, my friend Elias Fulmore, and we did this record that's it's like a sci-fi concept, right? Where um, I play the character in this album of somebody who's half human, half alien, coming to Earth for the first time to learn what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. Um, this character is based on my life. I know that sounds wild, but you know, <laughs> at the time, at the time we wrote these songs, or at least the time when we wrote the first song. Um, I had never been to Ethiopia. I'm half Ethiopian. Mm. Um, I went back to Ethiopia with McLeat and Elias, and I was the only one in the crew that had never been. You know? Oh, okay. Anyways, Be With Me in the Darkness is one of my favorite verses I've ever written. That verse, it's it's in this sci-fi universe, but I wrote this verse that could simultaneously mean three things all together, and, and I meant all of them, right? Um, and to me, Be With Me in the Darkness, even the song title is very much like a song about faith, right? Like we're right. moving through this unknown, vast, you know, place in space, right? And like, we literally mean like a spaceship, like even though I can't steer <laughs> this ship, I'm going right. to ride with it. But even though I can't steer this ship could also mean even though I can't steer this relationship, I'm going to mm. ride with it you know mm-hmm. and and yeah so i'm talking about traveling through space but i'm also tra- i'm also talking about the unknowns in a relationship like you don't know where this relationship is going to take you but just be here with me in the darkness be here with me in the unknown you know and mm-hmm. we'll and we'll and we'll figure it out together and the whole thing can also be a metaphor for faith you know yeah yeah um and it yeah it, it just it very literally means like all three three things at once, you know, so. Well, you know, just what you said about those multiple meanings and this idea of relationship, I don't, I don't know if you ever in your explorations um, got into uh, the hidden words of Baha'u'llah, which is one of the sacred writings of the Baha'i faith. But mm-hmm. in that, the speaker, it's, it's done in this Sufi poetry style. And so... Mm-hmm the speaker is sometimes talking with the voice of an authority an authority of the divine of the spirit talking to humanity at other times it's the divine talking to his avatar his vessel his his messenger right his right. prophet right at sometimes it's the prophet talking to humanity and at mm-hmm. other times it's the prophet talking to the divine, right? So yeah. there are all these different pathways, these different relationships, depending on the verse, depending on which of the hidden words that you're reading. And sometimes, like you're saying, it's happening simultaneously. There are these two things that are happening. And that's an interesting thing about art and matters of the spirit, right? Is that when you, sometimes you're talking to yourself, sometimes you're talking to the world, yeah. sometimes you're talking to the universe. Yeah, yeah, it makes me think of Rumi as well, right? Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, 
because I feel like, you know, Rumi, Rumi has incredible like love poems that are also like about God, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. That's exactly it. The lover and the divine are the same, you know, exactly. which is it you're talking about. Exactly. Which is, yeah, it's something I think about sometimes, you know? Tell me, tell me about on this, on this subject of uh, spaceships and so forth. Um, this is a consistent theme as well. So about it, what is, what is science fiction and speculative fiction, mm -hmm. you know, I, how does that weave into your work and how does, how is, how are those artistic devices a way of exploring some of these, these themes of, of, you know, your place in the universe and. Yeah. I mean, speculative, like I'm, I should start by just saying like, I'm so deeply into speculative fiction, you know, and that's, and that's been a lifelong love, you know, going back to watching Star Trek as a kid, you know, and X-Men comics or whatever. Um, and it's something I've always kind of like played with in my music. Mm -hmm. um, I got asked to write for an anthology called Octavia's Brood, uh, right before Copper Wire actually, and the Copper mm. Wire album itself is an offshoot of being asked to write for Octavius Brood. So about that anthology, if people have never heard of it, it's um, it's an anthology of speculative fiction written by organizers and activists, primarily who have never written science fiction, but in their everyday work, do the work of trying to make this world a better place, to, to create a world that doesn't exist yet, right? Through, through actions, through organizing, and there is a visionary aspect of that because there is a faith in the unseen. There is a belief that a world without racism can exist, that a world mm. without prisons can exist, that a society without patriarchy and homophobia can exist, right? So there is an element of speculative fiction in organizing. And one of the lines that Walida Imarisha and Adrian Marie Brown who are the co-editors of Octavius Brood always say is that all, all organizing is science fiction. Mm. So mm -hmm. that invitation to write for that anthology meant a lot to me. Um, but also the idea behind it was kind of revolutionary to me at the time. And, um, but I had never written science fiction. So, but music is the, my first language. So the first <laughs> thing that I did after getting asked to write a short story was I did a song that turned into an album that is copper wire. You know? <laughs> it was like the same day that I got the email. I was in the, I was in the studio with McLean Elias and I was like, yo, let's do a sci-fi project. And they're just, they just both were with it. So, you know, we went for it. Uh, the it inspiration pretty, strikes. <laughs> it, it, it turned out pretty well. It's so interesting to hear about that process and particularly what you said about that work being visionary yeah. in the sense that it is, I, it's not escapism, right? A lot of people no. talk about science fiction as being escapism as as fiction being as an, an, an escape mm -hmm. from the reality right you're you're living in a fantasy world right, right. and I I what i hear you saying is that it's it's not an escape it's not a fantasy it's it's rather you know having a very clear vision of the world that you want to see or in, perhaps in some cases the warning of what exactly. we don't of what happens if we don't work towards that world exactly you can do a lot of things with with spec fic right like you can use it as a mirror to reflect our current reality but you can mm. also like skew that mirror you can bend it you can you know um just to show people different things that's possible and also the use of metaphor to more accurately describe what actually is happening right now like all of those things can happen in speculative fiction all at once you know mm-hmm Mm -hmm. In Colored People Time Machine, you also talk about I ride the vessel, the vessel is also vessel me. Is also me, yeah. And I love that because that connects back to that idea of the duality coexisting, right? Yeah, absolutely. Colored People's Time Machine was such a fun song to write too. <laughs> it's a, it's a great, it's a great line, also. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, 
Yeah, that song actually was inspired by an Ethiopian brother that I met in Washington, D.C., as a matter mm. of fact. We were at a, at a conference out there. It was in 2008. And, you know, it was an Ethiopian elder, and he was talking about time. As, and he said that uh, it wasn't until he came to the United States that uh, time became a commodity, something that you can lose, <laughs> something that you chase. Uh-huh. He said, he, he said, here time moves, but back home I move through time. Whoa. That just, and that just made so much sense to me. And, and, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I don't know, it just kind of all clicked like when I wrote that song, like music itself is a time machine. And I wanted to play with and and kind of like reclaim this idea of CPT, you know, color people's time machine. You know, the 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 thing that we jokingly always say when somebody shows up late, you know, as uh-huh. a negative thing. But nah, like we actually like <laughs> we we move through time, you know, differently. And not only that, all music, all music is based on mm. time. You know, it's different time signatures. Mm-hmm. Um, we're keeping time when we keep rhythm. And then music itself can, it can take you to, you know, it, to the edges of the universe. And it can also take you to, you know, to the beginning, to the beginning of life on this planet, you know, just with the drum, you know, like I, mm. I believe in all those things. So I tried to capture a bit of that in, in Color People's Time Machine. It, it, it was something that just clicked in my head all at once. And I was like, oh yeah, this is it. Won't you uh, take a ride in my time machine? Tell me what you see. Now if I could go back, I wouldn't change a thing I give thanks for all of it, man, even the pain It reshaped my life in ways hard to explain All I can say is it gets better with age Time heals and it reveals all things I'm in the color people's time machine, but never late I just drive a concept you gotta recreate The way it's in your mind, time doesn't move We move through time, ever since the beginning We've been playing with rhythm, this tradition We remember it, constantly reinvent it is absolutely indigenous, African, intuitive, music is the key. We unlock memories hidden in our genes, and ancestors walk when I talk so free. I'm a future ancestor to my unborn seeds, and everything's happening at once, right? I feel it in moments and I see it in dreams, and it would be so easy if I could let go of me. It's a constant process, unraveling, you call it hip-hop, I call it color people's time machine, made of music, you feel it, you don't I ride the vessel, the vessel is also me It surrounds, we navigate the space of in-between And everything you see, you will just remember in the machine Made of music, you feel what you don't see I ride the vessel, the vessel is also me What does it mean to you to be a future ancestor at this point in your life? It's interesting because, you know, in recent years I realized like, you know, I'm not, I'm probably not going to have actual children of my own but there's absolutely young people that already think of me as, you know, um, I'm not an ancestor because I'm not dead. But <laughs> but they think of but they think of me as <laughs> as someone who kind of laid some groundwork that their work is now built off of. You know, right? And I right. and I see that in a lot of young people. So when I think of like what it means to be a future ancestor. I think of how are we going to leave this planet a little bit better than the way we inherited it, you know? Um, the people that come after you are not always necessarily just your children. They absolutely are your children if they, you know, if they are your children, but they're mm-hmm. also just younger people that come after you. Like I think of family as something that's much more vast than the immediate people you're related mm-hmm. to. A lot mm-hmm. of the a lot of the people that I think of is my closest family. I'm not related to by blood, you know, Mm -hmm. but you know, the future of their children is like, it's so, (laughs) it's so important to me. Like it's more important than my own life that, Mm. that these kids inherit a world in a, in, a, in a community, in a society that's better than the one we grew up in, you know? Mm-hmm. It's far more important than my own life, you know, um, th- without question. You mentioned in, in your song about being an introvert. Oh, yeah. And 
and and the difficulty of 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 sort of pushing yourself to be out there in community and i yeah. i think it's ironic because when i think of you i see somebody who is always in community i see somebody mm-hmm. who's always giving back to community who's always aligning themselves with the greater community and so i wanted to i wanted to ask you about that you know what how do you balance that that um way of perceiving yourself as an introvert and yet mm. and yet that strong commitment to being in community um with others yeah thank you for that question um yeah i don't know i've always been an introvert you know um i think a lot of times people might not understand what it means to mm. be an introvert versus being an extrovert it, it basically means that when I'm around a lot of people, it zaps my energy and I need right. some time and I need some time alone to recharge. You know, I think a lot more artists are introverts than people would ever realize because to be an artist, especially a writer, you know, if you make music, you are a writer, you know, right. um, you got to spend a lot of time alone, you know, and like it's a, that's a part of it, you know, so. I would say out of all the artists I know, like more of them are introverts than not. But being an introvert doesn't mean that you're incapable of being in crowds. It doesn't mean that you're incapable of performing or any of those things, being in community. I think for me, like things that drain me are being in large groups where I don't have a purpose, right? Mm, Like mm. that, like I just feel out of place. Like I, you know, but actually like having one-on-one conversations gives right. me energy like right. i love i love being right. in small groups and when i'm in environments where it's more people i love having a purpose if i don't have a purpose and i'm in a large group i tend to become a wallflower and just watch things or i leave and it's always been that way for me mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um no I, just, I feel that i feel that way yeah and it's just the way i'm oriented you know so yeah, I don't I don't know if that makes sense. There was there was something I heard a long time ago that um like I've been working on. Um and it was I don't know if you remember the Idle No More movement some years ago. Um Idle No More was an indigenous rights movement that took off across Canada and across the United States. Um it was started by four elder elders um up in Canada and um you know, I was I was participating in Seattle. I was going to to different teachings, and there was a circle that I was in, anyways. And uh, this brother got up and spoke, and he talked about his. Everybody was asked, like in the circle, like what commitments they can make to the movement. And this brother got up and said the most honest thing that has just stuck with me ever since. He said, "I'm an introvert, and it's really hard for me to." get out of my own head sometimes and to get out and build community but i need to because it's a you know it's a part of survival and it's a part of the movement so his commitment Mm. to the movement was to not isolate himself Mm. and i just thought that was so beautiful and it was something i needed to hear at the time and it's something i still have to remind myself of because as you get older like i'm in my 40s now like when i was in my 20s doing hip-hop in seattle we went everywhere 30 deep you know (laughs) right right but as people get older and and move on and start doing other things and having families all of a sudden it's like you know you you bring your your crew with you you've got you gotta feed 90 people all of a sudden (laughs) yeah but now and now and now it's like all of us like we go you know months without even seeing our best friends sometimes you know exactly and and I realized from that day that I heard that brother say that, like it just, it, it felt so true to me. And I realized like, I have to, I have to make an active effort every day to not isolate myself, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's something that I'm very aware of that I'm working on um, because community is everything. It's, it's, it's so important, you know?
patience if you still rocking with me this was not for performance this was all a part of therapy tears in my lyrics just so i could see with clarity it's parts that i'm proud of, some parts that are embarrassing i know this level of vulnerability is a rarity especially for men i had to share parts that scared me from my own life so the trauma won't impair me shakia says it all the time build with sincerity so many men i know are numb to the point of loving none you try to have a conversation with them and it's done i wonder if it's trauma that they never face bottled up and we should worry about our strong friends call them up cause you never know the struggles that they never show none of us should ever have to face life alone and i love my folks more than i could ever show them whatever you going through don't give up and know step by step we stumble there's pitfalls we hit their breath by breath i'm thankful you're still here. thankful you're still here talks about masculinity and vulnerability you know one of the lines that that struck me was we should worry about our strong friends call them up mm-hmm. yep and and that connects to what we were talking about a little bit too you know so how how are you how are you working through that in this moment these ideas of masculinity and and being vulnerable that album it's totally like an album where I needed to process some trauma that had happened in a relationship that I was in just four years before writing a bulk of that material. And I felt like I couldn't, I felt like that I wasn't being honest in anything that I wrote if I didn't write about the trauma that I was experiencing and, and even the PTSD, you know, because of this relationship that I was in, you know, and for sure, like toxic masculinity was all up in there, but also like, you know, the ideas that you can't, you know, you don't want to appear weak. You don't want to be vulnerable about these certain things. I was in a relationship where I was harmed, but I also don't want to just talk too much about this other person's experience because she had her own experience. I wanted to talk about what I was going through, how it was affecting me and how I could heal, right? So I unpacked all of that in the first song on that album. And then for the entire rest of the album, like I'm not alone on anything else on that record mm. because I, because healing, I learned, is a collective journey. And, wow. every, and everyone who's on that record with me are people in my life that have helped me helped hold me up have helped me heal have helped yeah. me on my journey yeah. um and thankful thankful you're still here is is that part in the in the journey towards healing where it's like you know what i'm carrying this you know mm-hmm. but i'm still here it's not it might not all be okay but but it's a little bit better than it was yesterday and because of my connection to all these people like i can get through i wake up take a shower brush my teeth put some clothes on and then i hit the streets go out to get coffee nah, it's not that deep but my morning ritual means more than caffeine it means i'm getting out no matter how i feel because without connection i don't know how we heal and i'm an introvert so i gotta work for real to not isolate myself and it's still one day at a time i'm climbing over this hill take the pieces of my heart to see what we can build i hope to never be the same there's more to be revealed because life is a story of glorious defeat beautiful mistakes and a company would keep balance of a long time and one third sleep our dreams and our histories often repeat there's a war going on with anybody you meet so try step to be more sweet step we stumble there's pitfalls we get their breath our breath i'm thankful for step 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 we stumble there's pitfalls the part the reason why i sent you that song though for this conversation is is real funny is actually the second verse where I, I talk about ritual. <laughs> okay. It is it is so silly because literally that little ritual, which somebody might not see as a as a religious practice, right? Because you think of I think you think of religious practice or a spiritual practice when we talk about ritual. But that morning ritual of waking up and getting out of my house and out of my head and going to see other people, even if it's just to get coffee, is the thing that kept me alive through my darkest right. times. You know, right. so right. I know I, I included that song in this conversation just to kind of highlight that ritual 
can look like a million different things. It can look like something that you learn from a religious practice. It can be something that, you know, could be very, you know, deep in history and something that people have done for thousands of years, or it could be something as mundane and, and seemingly like, you know, every day is just waking up and going to a coffee shop every day, you know? But whatever it is, if you're finding a way to to have that ritual to commune with other people, you know, in a healthy way, it's important and it's valid, you know? And yeah, I just, I don't know. I wanted to include that to show that, you know, it can look all kinds of ways, you know? <laughs> yeah. Without connection, we don't heal. Right? Exactly. I love that. Exactly. So one of the other lines there, uh, change, uh, the idea about change, life is a story of glorious defeat, beautiful mistakes, and the company we keep, there's a war going on with anyone you meet. Mm -hmm. I, I, that was, it's such a profound statement, you know, the idea of just getting up and doing it in spite of dot, yeah. dot, dot. Yeah. Because that's life, glorious <laughs> defeat, and we, you know, and I feel like, you know, we're all the, you know, in life, like we're all the hero of our own story. And like we try to, you know, I think to ourselves a lot of times, like we're not honest about, you know, the times where we failed, the times where we tried something and fell flat, you know, but life is a series of mistakes, you know, and it's, <laughs> and it's okay. And everyone's going through it and everyone's going through some type of struggle, some type of, you know, internal conflict. Like it could be a war that they're going through that they might not ever show you, you know? And, you know, I think the last thing I said on there was, was try to be more sweet, you know, with, mm. with everyone you meet because yeah, that, that, that sweetness and that kindness and that, you know, just compassion for each other can, absolutely change a life can save a life you know there's times when i've been real low and and that 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 just kindness from strangers has like changed my whole day you know so yeah yeah it's something I, I try to remind myself of every day you know like i don't yeah. think i don't think that like the things that matter the most in life i think is how we treat each other right mm -hmm. um i think that's something that is shared throughout all different religions is like, you know, there's a lot of things that religions like share, right? Like be good to each other, you know, like the way you treat other people, like that will weigh on you. You know, it's, it's, it's all we really have. It's like why we're on this planet, you know, and, and no matter where you get it from, whatever, whatever faith it is, like, I think, <laughs> trying to be a little more sweet today than you were than you were yesterday, you know, is something that, yeah, I just that that I want to live by and that I want to I want to share that with people, you know. Add a little sugar, honey, suckle in. A great big expression of happiness Boy, you couldn't miss With a dozen roses Such would astound you The joy of children laughing around you These are the makings of you it is true, the makings of you. You put Curtis Mayfield on your on your list of of um, musicians that inspire you. Of course, this is this is one of Cornell West's uh, favorites to go to as well, and he's always mentioning him as mm. as that a, a a deep and and soulful. Uh, experience musical experience so i'm curious for you what is what does curtis mayfield mean to you curtis mayfield is my favorite musician in any genre um his music is both loving and revolutionary at the same time it's tender and vulnerable i hear both in curtis mayfield's messages but also his tone the type of man that i hope to be um mm. The song that I shared is uh, the live version of The Makings of You 
which is possibly my favorite piece of recorded music by anyone ever. Um, it's so, it's just so tender. It's so loving. It's vulnerable. I, I think, I think he's talking about parenthood in that song. I think he's talking about being a loving father. Hmm. I don't know for sure if that's what it is, but that's how I receive it. He talks about um, loving someone and and trying to describe the beauty that made them and it being impossible to write, impossible to recite, I think he says. The righteous way to go Little one would know Or believe If I told them so You're second to none The love of all mankind Should reflect some sign Of these words I've tried to recite They are close but not quite Almost impossible to do Reciting The makings of you Yeah, when I think about spirituality, right? Back to this conversation, like that's That's it, you know? It's, it's, it's lovingness, it's connectedness It's, it's, it's being vulnerable and, and, and knowing there's things beyond what any of us could recite or try, but in the effort to do so, you mess around and create like one of the most beautiful expressions ever, you know? So, <laughs> so you, it, uh, you, it sounds like you feel that way when you, when you realize your own power as a creator, right? Right. Mm. There is the divine creator of, of the universe. And mm. then I imagine as a musician, you know, both being a vessel for something ineffable, but also being, being, a, having that creative power, realizing that, that creative energy and putting something out into the universe that didn't exist in the same way yeah. in that, in that same pattern before. I have to say something about what you just said, because it's interesting, like, like I mentioned earlier, like my partner is an atheist, right? She has a firm, a firm belief that, you know, like a, like a very strong belief in atheism, that there's not, there's nothing else here. And, you know, like you jokingly said, we're in a, we're in an interfaith relationship because I, you know, <laughs> she's, she, as she would say, uh, Ijoma would say, she's, she's no woo woo and I'm a little woo woo. <laughs> I, I when you talk about music and being a creator, like I feel like for me, music is the place where I feel spirit the most because mm. at my best, I don't feel like I'm a creator at all. I feel like I feel like I really am listening to something outside of myself mm. and capturing that. Like the best moments that I've ever had in making music, it literally doesn't feel like it's me. You know, so all those lyrics where I'm referring to like being a vessel, I'm not saying that because it sounds cool. I'm saying that because like at my best, I'm I'm just listening, right? Like I feel like mm. that's that's all artists' job, maybe, is to like look at every single moment and try to find the poetry in it, you know, and the more you kind of fine tune your instrument, like a lot of it is work and habit and practice. Um, and when you've, when you've worked on your instrument, you know, and, and, and you've worked up that muscle of creativity, when inspiration strikes, it really does feel like something that's flowing through you. That's not of you, you right. know, it might be translated by you, but it's almost like you're hearing something. I can't say that I'm hearing something that's not there. I'm just hearing something that other people can't hear. And I mm. have to or I'm seeing something that other people aren't seeing because sometimes like music is very visual to me. And sometimes mm. I'm trying to describe something I'm looking at. Um, like it's weird to even say that I'm a creator. Like I feel like I'm a, I'm a describer. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying to describe this thing that I are that I know is already there. Like I don't feel like a creator in that sense, but I think that's what creators are too at the same time. Help me move beyond this. And God help her move beyond this. Help me be honest with all this. Raw as I can. Strong as I'm broken. I'm flawed. I am man. I have hurt. I have healed both more than I can see. I know my best work isn't me. Our time on this earth isn't free. My demons and shadows can all be released. I've seen shame turn the best people into beasts. Shame digs graves like six feet deep. May we all speak the pain that's not ours to keep. History rhymes if it doesn't repeat. I have hurt. I have healed both more than I can see. Every woman that I know has seen it worse than me And everyone is in the war, most go unseen Nahira Wahiza, we are sacred beings Salt water for the pain, none of us are clean This is for healing It takes time I couldn't write anything else Until I wrote this song So, there's a quote in the Baha'i writings You may be familiar with It talks about music being a ladder for the soul Mm. that visual of that ladder it makes a lot of sense to me this idea of 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 reaching that higher plane through the experience of encountering music um and and probably for you as a music maker you know for actually uh, making music as well so um you know when i'm i'm thinking about this this show this new endeavor the 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 idea of creating soul ladder music is something that 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 came to me as being being a, a a way that I wanted to describe the the encounters with these different musicians that are that are in this process of creation in this process mm-hmm. of of being vessels in this process of climbing you know all these different uh, metaphors that we've been talking about so I'm curious yeah. for you um what does that ladder look like for you where when when you're when you're engaged in music whether, whether as a listener or as 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 a music maker um how what are you striving what are you striving for as you're as you're climbing each rung just complete honesty like just Mm. for every especially as a create like as a you know someone who makes music just for every every mask and every every facade to just fall away like you know Mm especially as someone who creates music and even like writing stories like i want i want all the things about my ego to completely fall away you know to, to just get at the the truth of whatever it is i'm trying to you know describe or depict or or reflect you know that's that's do kind you, of the mission yeah do you feel like you get in that process knocked down sometimes do you do you all feel the <laughs> all the time like what i'm saying is not an easy thing to do it's not even yeah. something that i don't know if i've ever done you know because mm. our, our egos are always with us at some point right but it's it's i feel like it's a constant like it's just a constant process right to to like to to, to be a better storyteller like you you almost want to make yourself as a storyteller invisible it's mm. impossible. It's actually impossible. Like one of the great poets of our time, uh, Kofi Oonor, said that in storytelling, a storyteller can never hide himself, right? Like mm. no matter where. That's true. Yeah, if it's fiction, whatever it is, like somewhere you're in there, you know, and the truth about you is in there, even if you're trying to hide it. But I think the thing about like facades and the lies that, you know, we kind of wear like our, you know, it's it's an act of like trying to put all that down, you know. And, and yeah, yeah. What was that story that you were sharing about about the perfect show? Oh yeah, DJ Riz at KXP. He he said that there's no perfect show. Uh, he's talking about because we're both DJs on the radio. That you know, he said the day that you do a perfect show, that's the day you have to quit. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Something I remind myself of all the time because I I I'm definitely like I can be a perfectionist in my own mind like um you know, and I harp on myself after shows like oh man like I messed up here here and here I shouldn't have played that song <laughs> when I did or whatever and then I remind myself Riz said there's no perfect show, you know so <laughs> yeah, well until that perfect show we'll be listening. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> appreciate you so much. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for taking the time. Appreciate you too. Thank you for joining me on this inaugural episode of Soul Ladder Music. It's an open-ended series, and so I'm excited for you to be on this climb with me. I want to thank Gabriel Tojos for sharing so many of his stories and so much of himself during this conversation. He's one of these people that I feel so immediately comfortable with and appreciate having his voice in my ear accompanying me, whether as a musician or as a DJ. I'll have links to Gabriel's music in the show notes for this episode, along with the tracks by other artists that he mentioned during the show. I'll also be putting together a playlist of all the music that's featured on this show, so look for the Soul Ladder Music playlist on Spotify. Thanks also to Jeff Philosopher for providing the theme music for this show, and keep tuning in to WOWD 94.3 FM Tacoma Radio for great music and programs seven days a week. Streaming online at TacomaRadio.org.